0: And welcome to Monkey Club with Chris and Chris: A Journey Through the History of Simian Cinema. I'm Christian Larson.
1: I'm Chris Mattiello.
0: And today we have a special guest with us, Ms. Cara O'Regan. Cara, welcome to the program.
1: Hey guys.
0: And this is episode 11. We'll be discussing 1987's Going Bananas. And Cara, regular listeners to the Cage Club Podcast Network, and I hope that all of our listeners are regular listeners to all the other podcasts, Mm -hmm. uh, will know you from your very insightful discussions of the Bill & Ted films for Keanu Club. What inspired you to get on board for this episode, Going Banana?
2: Um, I like the word bananas a lot. (laughs) And so I thought it might be fun. Um, I was wrong. I was very wrong.
1: Do you still have that opinion after hearing uh, a devil monkey repeatedly say the word bananas? <laughs> banana!
2: <laughs> um, maybe. I mean, it'll be interesting to see how much of a presence it has in my vocabulary going forward. Banana! Not sure yet. Yeah,
0: I don't think I'll ever be able to hear the word banana ever again without thinking of this horrifying devil monkey saying it over and over again.
3: Banana!
0: This movie is a Canon Films picture, and Mm -hmm. uh, if you're familiar with Canon Films, you know that they were a B-movie factory in the 80s. They're pretty much responsible for launching the careers of Chuck Norris and Charles Bronson, and not to mention Jean-Claude Van Damme. They did the Death Wish series. They did the He-Man Masters of the Universe film.
3: Superman Uh, 4.
0: Superman 4. They just cranked out a whole bunch of crap in the 80s and this was one of their rare forays into family entertainment and the interesting thing about this that i found watching it was that it was written by a guy named menachem golan who was the mastermind behind canon films he was a, a middle-aged israeli man for whom english was a second language and you can tell by the dialogue and the humor in this film, it, it reminded me a lot of back before it was really played out. I was a huge fan of the Ali G show and, and Borat in particular. And there's one segment where he's telling a joke to someone.
3: Uh, I have a joke. Uh-huh. Uh, there is a chair. Mm-hmm. Uh, the chair, uh, walk, uh, with his shoes. La, 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 you walk on the street. (laughs) (laughs) The chair is walking.
2: Right. (laughs) (laughs)
0: Yes. Well,
3: it's a funny image.
0: And that's what a lot of the humor in this comes off as. It's like a foreign person trying desperately
1: to portray humor. I could see that. There's so much in this movie that doesn't feel, I mean, you're saying it's, It's a man who's incapable of, of like, portraying humor due to a language barrier. I feel like this movie may have actually been written by someone who is not from Earth, actually.
0: (laughs) Yeah, it definitely reminds me a lot of The Room. Because Tommy Wiseau, not only is there a cultural barrier, but it seems like he's from another planet. And he has no idea how humans are supposed to interact. And a lot of this comes across like that.
1: Can I tell a quick story about why I think I hated this movie so much? (laughs) Of course. Okay, so I have this very clear memory, and I don't know when this movie came out, so I'll just say I was born in 86, so it should put me at maybe around like 7 or 8, I guess. You were
0: one year old. Oh, no, no. No, no, sorry, not,
1: not, uh, I apologize. Not this film, but this film I'm going to reference, um, which reminded me of this one. A movie called Baby's Day Out.
3: (laughs) He was mommy's little angel. Baby Bink is not a regular baby. And daddy's pride and joy. Bye bye. Whoa. Bye bye. <laughs> bye bye. But Baby Bink was born. So when the big city called,
1: Baby Bink had to answer. So when you're like five, six, seven, and and younger than that, you don't realize that movies can be bad, and you just like everything that is on the screen in front of you because you're a child and you're an idiot and your brain is not fully formed. You know, your brain isn't quite a, a real brain yet and for you know various reasons. So, sure. I was really big into Home Alone when I was very young. I loved that movie. And there was a period of time, probably, you know, 2 or 3 years uh, around that first Home Alone movie where there was clones of it coming out. And I have very distinct memories of seeing Blank Check and Richie Rich in the theaters because I love them. And my parents were just like, yeah, this will shut them up for two hours. Let's do it. And then I saw this is probably the earliest memory I have with seeing Baby's Day Out in theaters with my mother. Also a movie that has a scene with an ape in it that is an abomination. And I'm watching it in the theater and I'm sitting there and I'm just going, this isn't good. From John Hughes, the creator of Home Alone.
3: I live. (laughs) Baby's Day Out. I
1: didn't know movies could be bad, and I spent the entire runtime of that movie slowly, like having my innocence sapped away. As a child, a row in front of me, who's maybe like a year younger, is laughing hysterically at every single thing that happens in Baby's Day Out. And just like six or seven year old me, is sitting there fuming. As I start to understand that everything I thought I knew was wrong. And I think that really set the course for how I look at film in my entire life. And this movie gave me flashbacks to being that kid and watching that movie. Because this is a movie that is made not for children, but for babies.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's true. They, like All of the humor in this movie is based around senseless violence, which I think... Baby's Day Out, and to a lesser extent, Home Alone kind of capitalized on. I have a very similar story, but I was about 12, and I saw Ace Ventura Goes to Africa, or
1: whatever the sequel was. When Nature Calls. Love (laughs) those puns, right?
0: And I was like, this is terrible. I know I'm supposed to be thinking this is hilarious, but it's just a guy talking out of his ass. There's nothing funny about
1: this. Did the casual African racism of this movie give you flashbacks (laughs) to that moment?
0: There's nothing casual (laughs) about the racism in this movie, and I'm sure we'll get to that. But before we do, Kara, with all of our guests, we like to play a little game called Twelve Monkeys. And this this is the point where we ask our guests to sum up the plot of this film in 12 words or less. Okay. So take a breath take a moment
2: In african tale five old bananas
1: wow you saved half the words yeah
0: wow that is that is probably our most impressive round of 12 <laughs> monkeys today
1: yes you hold the title you're the rick flair Ooh. of 12 monkeys
2: it's <laughs> a good thing i came up with that yesterday otherwise i would have panicked and not been able to think of anything
0: I mean, there are some parallels between uh, Five Ghost West and <laughs> this movie.
1: Future guests are going to uh, have to step up their game, and they can't just say fuck as their description. Yeah. Which would yeah. have been totally acceptable for this movie. Yeah. I mean, that, oh, that my was God. my number
0: two. If I were the guest, I would have just said fuck 12 times. <laughs> been done with it. So let's get into it. Going bananas starts off with a young man who is the son of a senator, I think
2: hmm An American uh, and, senator.
0: Yeah, and he's being dropped off in Africa with his bodyguard, a guy named Big Bad Joe, played by Dom DeLuise, who is big, but not so much bad. He's actually very <laughs> incompetent and unpleasant. And the captain of the ship that drops them off right off the bat is like, oh, welcome to Africa. They're probably going to try to eat you. Ha, 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 ha.
2: Within the first five minutes, there's, I think, three cannibalism jokes. So, like, right off the bat, (laughs) there's lots
1: lots of of cannibalism jokes. This movie turning into Cannibal Holocaust, a better movie. Oh, for sure.
0: And I love, Kara that the word jokes, I could almost hear the quotation marks around (laughs) it
3: when you said
0: it. And they arrive in the land of Tangola, uh, this generic African state. And they show up, and they're met by J.J. Walker from Good Times, a 70s sitcom. Dynamite. And yes, Mr. Dynamite. And he he's plowing through this African marketplace, knocking things over. Uh, I suppose it's setting him up to be incompetent, but he's really the most competent of the group. And he picks them up and takes them on this safari through womba zomba land which sounds like something my grandfather would call something African
1: <laughs> yeah oh uh, granddad's a little racist but you know he grew up at a weird time let's just give it to him he's calling stuff womba yeah Z- he's calling hip-hop womba zomba music like let's just let's yeah. let 80 year old granddad have that one
0: well 80 year old granddad wrote this movie pretty much and everything is big everyone's yelling at each other everyone's falling down like Menachem Golan, the guy who wrote this movie, like he just thinks that violence and falling down and screaming is is what makes kids laugh. And I I mean I guess it does to a certain
1: extent. There's also but, a ton uh, of uh, non-diegetic sound effects. A lot of bonks on the head that sound like bunk and like people uh... falling and
3: it's like
1: And uh, it's very much from the Tom and Jerry school of of comedy.
0: And they they go on this safari, and there's a lot of really nice safari footage, I'll give it that. But it's what the Red Letter Media guys would call shooting the rodeo, which is that, like, they need to fill time, so they just show footage of scenery and footage of
1: animals. Did any, did either, like, the Wikipedia or the IMDb, imdb tribune did did any of them say where this movie was filmed
0: obviously they went to
1: africa that's crazy to me that's just (laughs) like that's what this money i can't i can't believe this wasn't filmed in like six flags great adventures safari park or something
2: (laughs) i mean i i honestly i wouldn't put it past them i think that that's definitely a a possibility but it seems like it might have been in africa they at least pulled that much off.
1: Yeah. Early on, it's very clear that no one gives a shit in this movie <laughs> because everyone save the the child who I believe is also the kid from over the top. Yes, yes he is. Everyone except him is doing an accent. There's more slipping in and out here than there is in like a gangbang like <laughs> They're doing an oh, accent, dear. and then they're just Jimmy Walker's just talking like he's he's on Good Times, and Dom DeLuise is just Dom DeLuise, and then he's doing this weird, foppy British accent, and then he's back out of it. No one cares. No one can give even enough of a shit to do their accent for more than three lines consecutively.
0: Yeah, and, and Dom DeLuise, who is always a very welcome presence in a lot of movies, the Cannonball Run movies, a lot of early Mel Brooks movies, he's just thoroughly unlikable in this he's grumpy he's a fuck up on every possible level and when they go on this safari right off the bat first of all he's panicking he's like oh no there's dangerous animals all around and then he's taking a nap in the van and there's a lion sitting above him and he's using the lion's tail as he's sleeping to like wipe his mouth and stuff and oh my god just, just embarrassing.
1: So Dom DeLuise's character is very uh, nervous, very anal retentive, very prissy. And the way I could describe it for people who are listening to this and didn't watch the movie, which normally I would recommend people watch the movie. No one should watch this movie. Imagine C-3PO in Star Wars, right? And this is the only time this movie will probably ever be compared to Star Wars in any way.
3: <laughs>
1: Imagine the C-3PO character. He's great in that kind of tertiary role as this kind of Rosencrantz or Guildenstern kind of guy in the background commentating. Imagine they just made C-3PO Han Solo, and you have to deal (laughs) with that. You have to deal with that the entire movie and, like, piloting the trip. It's a nightmare, and it's annoying, and I don't know if it's supposed to come from the kid's perspective where every adult is an idiot, but it's intolerable.
2: Intolerable is definitely a word that I would use for this. Um, That's a really, really, really good comparison we haven't yet discussed the monkey character but when we do there's also a star wars link there so i'll just set the ground for that right now
0: yeah well i, I mean we're about to meet the monkey on this safari dom de character big bad joe continues to do stupid shit he has lunch in the savannah with like champagne and a fruit basket <laughs> and uh animals come and steal his food and he gets all upset about that and that's supposed to be funny and then they meet the the monkey the kid frees it because it's tangled in a tree and it is the most horrifying thing you've ever seen it's played by a guy named deep roy who you might remember as playing every oompa loompa (laughs) in the tim burton
2: charlie uh, and the chocolate factory
0: charlie and the yes yes um, all 165
3: he,
0: yes and he was also in the third season of eastbound and down
3: I'm gonna cut your fucking dick and maybe they'll put a fucking smile on your fucking face <laughs> maybe maybe we will cut this motherfucker's balls off you know what I can cut off your titties don't make he cut be safe. titty titty bang bang oh. he will titty titty bang bang you he will fucking cut your tits off right here to him my donkey you saw him. Fuck your donkey, bitch.
0: He is slathered with prosthetics and making the most horrifying screeching sounds. So, Kara, what were your first impressions of this monkey?
2: Well, I did know already that it was a human dressed as a monkey as opposed to <laughs> just, say, a monkey. Um, yeah. I, I, so, my expectation was that he was going to look a little different. All things considered, I don't think he's actually that horrifying looking for a person dressed as a Wookiee, uh, but I did do like a, a quick IMDb search of him and that Star Wars connection that I was talking about. He was R2-D2's body double. He was Yoda's double in a couple scenes. He played Droopy McCool, which is one of the aliens that are playing in the uh, cantina, and huh. was also an Ewok in the third film
3: follow the yellow brick road <laughs> yeah maybe i'll find the ewok village you came from
2: you got it wrong buddy i'm yoda i don't know i can't keep the numbers straight but like the original the third <laughs> one in the yeah. original yeah, yeah.
3: yeah yes. return of
1: yeah. the jedi george was really um, good at the stretching only... his little person quota <laughs> Yeah.
2: <laughs> he also played teeny Weenie in the never-ending story that was the guy who like rode the, the little racing snail
0: I have to respectfully disagree. I think that the monkey in this is probably the most horrifying monkey that we've seen so far, that I've seen so far. And as Chris was saying before, Ed, uh, the baseball-playing monkey, which was a combination of a human in a monkey suit and a mechanical monkey, was pretty horrifying, but Jesus Christ.
1: Well, and I mean, I spoilers, uh, but I don't think... The monkey would have been that terrifying if it didn't start... Uh, if it didn't start talking like a human at a certain point.
3: Oh. <laughs>
0: yeah, just when you think it couldn't get any more horror... I feel like horrifying is the best possible word to describe them. Oh, but they uh, could have
1: put this in in the lounge in Twin Peaks, and like the monkey could have been like, "That gum you like is coming back in style," and it would have been just, it would have been even more horrifying. <laughs> well, before we get ahead of ourselves,
0: uh, Big Bad Joe and the monkey meet, and and the monkey knocks one of his
2: teeth out. I think. Oh. Uh, no, what? I think he knocks his own tooth out, like just clumsily knocks his tooth out.
1: Jesus, I already blocked out the dentist scene. Oh, no. (laughs) I don't think I laughed because it was funny. I think I laughed because my brain was shutting down and it was a defense mechanism, like how some people laugh at funerals. It's a hand-cranked kind of powered drill, and they show that it's being cranked by a large woman on a bicycle, because that's funny. (laughs) And that's the joke. Uh, And then they do another joke with her, which... Like, actually might have been a joke. It's hard to tell in this movie what is actually intended to be a joke and what is just someone who doesn't understand humans writing a story that's supposed to be a comedy. But Dom DeLuise's character demands Novocaine and then immediately it cuts to that same woman uh, shooting a blow dart into his neck to, (laughs) (laughs) to put him under and... Yes. That was the point in the movie where I switched the YouTube speed from one point two five to one point
2: five. <laughs> I didn't even think to do that. And now oh, I'm, I'm really so mad that I did not.
1: I was at two I by think, the end uh, of the movie. Uh,
0: a bit of a high pitched voice might have might have actually made this movie a little more a little more entertaining or more horrifying, who knows? So Big Bad Joe gets his tooth back through a Drill and Novocaine and whatever. And they're driving out of Wamba Zomba land, and the monkey is tagged along. And on the way out, there are a bunch of angry guards who, again, are just screaming and angry, and that's supposed to be funny. And the monkey beats the guard over the head, and they get dragged to African jail. And, Which uh, I think um,
2: you actually skipped over this kind of like i don't know if it's like a b plot necessarily because it's also the plot of the (laughs) movie but uh, this like other aspect of the guy from the circus and the police chief who are who are conspiring to capture the monkey because well when when the characters are introduced the monkey isn't in the movie yet but the the police chief or captain or whatever who is a, a white guy goes to well <laughs> yes. i think that's like important to note that oh, like absolutely. this guy is like very clearly a colonizer um yeah. yeah so he goes to this other white guy who like runs a circus and the guy is like bring me weird animals or whatever and and he tries <laughs> I like
1: you get a talking monkey
2: right so he tries to like give the police captain money and he was like no we have a very strict code of conduct in this country, no tips, but then the circus guy uh, corrects him and says, that's not a tip, it's a bribe, and the captain, this actually did make me laugh, he smiles, takes the money, and says, oh, that's different.
3: Yeah. So that that, happens much earlier in the movie,
2: And and so in this scene, when they get captured, they're being captured by the police force who is after them, and this magical monkey that they have, who's not actually magical, he just is gifted, I guess.
0: Yeah, the police chief is actually played by the guy who is the police chief in the Pink Panther movies, hmm. oh. who is uh, constantly frustrated by the bumbling uh, Inspector Clouseau. I was also played by.
2: Yeah, I was also convinced that I, he was I, in Spice World, but I, it does not. That does not seem to be the case.
1: No, that that was Meatloaf. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I know who Meatloaf is. I know Meatloaf was in Spice World. Um, this was
1: the one moment of the film where I, um, I I feel like anyone who's listened to Monkey Club for this long knows that uh, sometimes I try to see if there's any kind of, uh, you know, death of the author kind of subtext to these movies. Uh, and that's where they start hitting skip forward on their podcast app. And this was the one moment where I was like, OK, they're like going to talk about like this British colonialism of Africa because there's there there is something there that like. There's a statement to be made, whether he realized it or not, that like the chief of the guard, who's a white guy, he also runs a circus? Question mark. They're two. Well, different no, people. he he's working. they are. <laughs> Holy shit! Yeah. He... Wow. <laughs> yeah. Disclaimer: I the was super drunk guy... for this movie, and I'm super drunk right now. So I, oh, you have dear. to be for this movie. You seriously have to be for this movie. Yeah, They're the... different people, really. Yeah. The police
0: chief and the head of the circus are two different well, people. Well, no, I know the police they... chief is,
1: but the guy who runs the, the white guy who's always in the office is a different guy than the white guy who runs the circus. Oh shit. Yeah, yeah.
0: The white the Ed white guy who out. runs the circus has he has some inexplicably Italian name. Palermo. Which may not be Italian.
2: I mean, so let's bring in some reality here. Uh, As far as the the history of colonization of Africa, uh, a lot of times people just think of it as the Dutch and the English, but also uh, it was colonized by Portuguese and Italians. So uh, the country in this movie is made up. It's called Tangola, but there is a real life country called Angola,
1: which, which I was... thought it was the whole time.
2: <laughs> right. But it is not not to be confused. And Angola in real life was colonized by the Portuguese. So it may not be yes. Italian, it might actually be Portuguese, but maybe not. I could also just be making that up.
1: Mm-hmm. I had the same I actually had the same thought mostly because I thought this was Angola the whole time.
0: Well, that is probably a lot more thought than Menachem Golan put into writing this movie.
1: So, um, We've know, justified this movie's that's... existence, unfortunately.
3: <laughs> <laughs>
0: so, uh, they get taken into jail, and they get let out, and they immediately go to a fancy French restaurant. Which, like, I get that like a bunch of wackos going to a fancy French restaurant... Is sort of a trope of a comedy movie, but why is there a five-star French restaurant in the middle of this African marketplace? I don't understand. And you've you've got everything about it. You've got like the the waiter being like, "Uh, eh, we do not serve the blah blah blah," you know. And, and...
2: well, because there's this mis like this misunderstanding that happens. Uh, Dom DeLuise says that he's hungry enough to eat a horse. And the waiter doesn't understand that that's an American expression. That just means you're super hungry. And gets like very upset that he wants to eat a horse. And then somebody says something about eating a zebra. (laughs) And he gets like even more upset. Like it just is a a weird escalation of a misunderstanding.
0: Yeah. And and on top of everything else, the the monkey is in drag (laughs) at this point. (laughs) Uh, That's right. (laughs) They decide. They decided that, you know, the only way to make a monkey less conspicuous would be to dress it up like an old lady. And they bring the monkey into the restaurant. All kinds of wacky hijinks
1: ensue. Um, Here's here's two things I never need again in my life is French waiter humor and animals in drag humor. And I have a really bad feeling we're going to get both before this podcast is over.
0: Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And the police chief and the circus guy are having... Uh, they're eating an entire cake
2: <laughs> in, in
0: a
1: booth. It wasn't supposed to and be an the, entire monkey cake.
2: Keeps... the monkey keeps stealing yeah, the places. The...
1: A motif of this movie is monkeys yeah. stealing food.
2: Which yeah, is that... Yeah. I mean, has that been a motif in other monkey films? Because I feel like that's a fairly run-of-the-mill monkey trope.
0: Yeah, monkeys love sneaking food. (laughs) The police chief and the circus guy, the circus guy is saying that he will pay $100,000 for a talking monkey. And that kind of sets... Like, as this movie goes on, the obsession that the police chief has with getting this monkey is really kind of confusing, but I guess... Since there's a hundred thousand dollars on the line, it makes well, you sense. You can see
1: why I was confused but, about them being different people because this guy, this police chief, is very excited about the talking monkey, and then the circus guy, like that's his his headliner of the the circus, is the talking monkey. So, like, it doesn't really make sense why the police chief is all excited about the talking monkey.
0: I mean, the police chief is gonna get the monkey for the circus guy and get a hundred thousand dollars in the process.
2: But, also, the monkey yeah, isn't even I mean, actually get... like speaking English yet. I
1: don't think this is true. He's not technically
2: no. a talking monkey
1: yet. we do you know you asked no, if, if food no. stealing uh was uh, a thing that happens regularly a, a, a trope, if you will, if you're an internet kind of person in the uh in the monkey films, that is less so than humans kissing monkeys, which also happens because a drunk fellow <laughs> thinks that the in drag monkey is a cute lady and has a dance and a kiss.
3: Hey, baby. Go, come on, don't squeeze me, eh? ah, you are to kind. You
0: Yeah, that. I mean,
1: I hate this movie. I, I hate. There it. are so many.
0: Yeah, no. Do. So do I. We're united in our hatred of this film. It's a monkey dressed like a lady, and he's covered in hair, and he's like four feet tall. But somehow, I mean, they make a point of showing that this drunken Frenchman is very drunk. But I've been drunk before, and uh, I'm not going to make out with a monk. Hey, don't don't kink shame.
1: (laughs) If if you've got a thing for for hirsute little people, that's cool.
0: You know what? If that's this guy's thing, then more power to him. He was probably hanging out in this inexplicable french restaurant in the middle of an african village hoping that someday a sexy little (laughs) monkey would come in that door and finally it happened and his dreams came true but all hell breaks loose once the police chief finds out that there's a monkey in there and once he sees that it's big bad joe and the little kid and everyone starts beating the shit out of each other like indiscriminately it's not even like the bad guys are getting beaten up by the good guys or vice versa it's everyone is beating the shit out of each other in wacky ways and this is another example of how violence is just pretty much yeah i feel like
1: this guy grew up on the this the screenwriter grew up on this the three stooges uh it's a very three stooges-esque moment where snooty people are getting pies in the face and uh etc etc and this is a terrible movie and they get thrown into jail but this time it's like a dungeon
0: and you have all these like emaciated african extras chained to the walls and it's really again another example of it being very disturbingly racist and this is the point where we learn that the monkey can speak english
2: kind of uh. this actually i really enjoyed this scene it made me I. this was like the only one that i actually kind of like laughed through like once they get to the banana part um where they're like teaching the monkey how to say banana and then he does and then i don't they just he keeps saying it over and over again banana he
3: said banana did you hear him did you hear him you in there did you hear him i heard him wait a minute Banana! 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 All right, everybody, listen, quiet, Mrs. It's This might be a dream. Banana! What do no! you have in the morning with cereal? Banana!
2: I think by this point in the movie, I was just like deliriously so ready for it to be over that it made me laugh and I actually stopped taking notes after this
1: scene. <laughs> yeah, this is this is the point in the movie yeah. where I had this this revelation and here here's my theory. I mentioned previously uh on this podcast that the monkey movies of the eighties came from people seeing ET and going, mm-hmm. Well what else can we do that's like kind of humanoidish uh, but not exactly, and is cute and adorable, and we can make it do human things, and they're like, well, uh, if not an alien, what about a, a monkey? does a long line of coke, and then they make a, a script. This movie is like, they didn't see E.T. and did that. They saw fucking Nuki, if you know that movie. The African E.T. exploitation film, which is trying to do E.T. Two space travelers.
3: It's no! Are separated. One is recovered. I want this creature alive. The other must find his way on a strange planet, confronting the perils of the jungle. What does of many look for? America.
1: America? No, America is the country where I come
3: from. What is this? The ancient for spaceship. It will take extraterrestrial spirit and courage, along with the help of two native brothers, to reunite these space travelers. Nuki. In the tradition of E.T. and close encounters of a third kind... What in the world? ...comes a magical adventure, Nuki.
1: It's like this guy saw that and went, yeah, let's do that with a monkey. This is the exact scene where I went, no, I broke during this scene.
0: The fact that they go so, forgive the term, (laughs) apeshit, over the fact that this monkey is saying the word banana. Like, they go crazy. Dom DeLuise is, like, flipping out. Like, I get it, a monkey saying the word banana is pretty impressive. But it's like, they're reacting to it in the way that audiences reacted to E.T. making Elliot's bike fly over... Uh, the chasm, it's supposed to be this amazing, magical moment, and it's like, it's not really that impressive, and it reminded me, because when we, during the course of Monkey Club, I did some research into Coco the gorilla and her sign language, and a lot of critics say that her sign language, it's sort of like how a cat purrs. People think that cats purring means something when really it's just a way to get a reaction from humans
2: mm-hmm.
0: and they read a lot into it because they feel like they should read into it and this banana thing he's just saying the word banana over and over again it's not that doesn't I, I wasn't impressed I was more freaked out
2: <laughs> I mean well so in this scene he only said banana. But it's almost like this scene, like the banana is, he like breaks through to human <laughs> language yeah. and all of a sudden has access to all of these other words in subsequent scenes that like was quite bizarre.
1: Yeah, this this was the Rosetta Stone moment.
0: Yeah, well.
2: Right, yeah.
0: <laughs> I mean, his his vocabulary isn't that complicated because the boy and the monkey escape from jail. And they go on this bonding montage in Wonga Bonga Land or whatever it is, uh, where they they look at the scenery and they hug, and the monkey beats the kid over the head a few times, and that's supposed to be endearing. That's where the kid falls off a goddamn And the monkey cliff? says, "Well, the, the, yeah. it's about to happen." Uh, but the monkey first he says like, Bonzo,
3: love Ben."
0: Ugh. That's the only other... Yeah, that's like the only other thing that the monkey can say.
3: (laughs) Bonzo loves Bonzo. Ben loves Bonzo.
0: By the way, the monkey is named Bonzo just like Bedtime for Bonzo because both of those movies were inspired by a book that was written like in the 20s, I think. So the Bonzo in this movie is a relative of the Bonzo from Bedtime
1: Episode." Three with guest star roborecci
0: during their little african savannah montage the boy falls into a chasm and a fucking scorpion crawls on his four face. scorpions crawl on this kid
2: and then there are like several more scorpions around
0: jesus christ if you've watched electric boogaloo the documentary about canon films you'll see that Menachem Golan has no, like, he doesn't care about the safety of his actors. He used his own children in films in very dangerous situations. The only concern he has is the finished product. I can't imagine being a little kid and, and being in a movie and having scorpions put on your face. Like, scorpions are scary. I have friends who live in the southwest, And they tell me that like every now and then they'll walk into their bathroom and they'll see a scorpion on the floor. Like we would see, you know, like a a mouse or a a roach or something. Jesus Christ. (laughs) Scorpions are really scary. And I'm just picturing Menachem Golan like pouring scorpions on this little boy being like, it's okay. It's
1: for the movie. Yes. Yes. Going to be good movie. There's no way that they didn't just throw scorpions on this kid, right? They had one trainer who was in there, and and the guy was like, yep, you just stay still, and these scorpions won't sting you. And they just threw them on this kid. There's no way these are fake scorpions.
0: Oh, no. I mean, this kid just must have been really desperate to be in a movie. I don't know if this is before or after Over the Top, which is a vastly superior film. Turn off this podcast right now and watch Over the Top. It's great.
1: Better gorilla acting from uh, Sylvester Stallone as well. (laughs)
0: <laughs> now that's a gorilla that i would watch in anything he's dying in the bottom of the chasm the monkey rescues him dom de louise and jj walker show up they bring him back to the hospital where a bunch of nuns take care of him and then the evil white police chief shows up and he demands to see the kid and the nun says oh you are a horrible bully and he says you are an ugly witch and they go in, and this is where the police chief sees the mo- monkey talking, because the monkey's sing
3: Bonzo Love Ben! Bonzo Love Ben!
0: And at this point, the police chief orders the entire police force of Wongo Bongo Land or whatever to capture the monkey. And it's amazing that he's using all these police resources to capture a monkey. But again, I guess he's got $100,000 in the lawn.
2: Which I I looked it up, and it would be approximately $209,000 today.
0: Well, again, those are in Wongo Bongo (laughs) dollars, so, you know, who knows. And the monkey gets sold to the circus. The kid is all sad about the monkey being gone, but then they see that the circus is in town, so the three of them go to the circus, and they see Bonzo... And the the circus guy brings Bonzo out to count to ten for the audience, like as if that's going to be like a huge deal. Again, a talking monkey is a big deal. And also, the fact that a circus is a thing in like an African village, I don't know. I feel like they have other things going Uh, on.
1: Kara, have you ever seen the movie Congo? Yeah. Okay, so I'm going to pose this question to both of you. You guys are both coaches in uh, and your team is made up of extremely intelligent gorillas. I don't know what league this is. It's it's a post apocalyptic nightmare, I'm sure. But um, you have the first round pick. Do you take which which talking gorilla do you take? This one or Amy from Congo? Who's your first round pick?
2: Amy, every time.
0: Oh yeah, I mean Amy enjoys a good <laughs> martini. Yes, uh, she's much less horrifying than Bonzo in this movie. <laughs> It's unanimous. If we have to do Talking
1: Gorillas, it's it's Amy. And God, I think I said it there, too. I should shut the fuck up during podcasts because I say it can never get worse in so many of these episodes. (laughs) And it always does.
2: I mean, I haven't seen Congo probably not since it came out, maybe. I don't know. A long time, regardless. And I don't remember wanting to die during that. One. Whereas, <laughs> during the viewing of Going Bananas, I did in fact contemplate my mortality quite, quite seriously, because I just wanted, yeah. I just wanted it all to be over. Oh
1: yeah, if you said, would you rather be dead forever or watch Going Bananas again? Put me in the fucking ground.
0: <laughs> Another interesting thing in this scene is that. As the monkey is counting to 10, the circus guy is whipping the monkey. And it made me think of circuses growing up, animals were whipped constantly, the elephants, the lions especially, and people thought nothing of it. And nowadays, they're kind of phasing out that aspect of circuses for, for many, many reasons. But this really brought back the brutality of that, even though it was a small man in a monkey suit but still it was pretty brutal and the trio of the little boy and tom de louise and <laughs> J. J. abrams they decide that they're going to dress like clowns to get bonzo out of the circus and they do and another crazy set piece ensues kind of like the, the only the only reason to
1: watch this movie um, in... is if you are if your PhD is from clown college and your specialty is mid 1980s low budget circuses, because we get to see all of it. Every single moment of this circus is just in this movie because they got to the point where they were like, oh, hey, we got 40 minutes left. How are we going to fill this? I don't know. Show a f- whole fucking circus?
0: <laughs> yeah, there are acrobats, there are strong men. There are clowns, and they're all beating the shit out of each other, set to wacky music, and carts oh, straight up down the hill. And they escape from the circus, and again, the brutality of the circus guy and the police chief. At one point, the circus guy screams, Kill the boy. <laughs> like, what? Carrie, you got.
2: Hey. You, off
0: you like got that. off
1: kind of easily with your 12 monkeys, so why don't you describe some of this, uh, this circus scene?
2: oh god i okay yeah. so to be honest i was not watching super intently. i don't actually remember
0: how dare
2: how you is the
1: correct position uh, to take
2: <laughs> yeah I, I don't i don't actually remember much of the circus other than like the horrible animal abuse and the benny hill kind of nature of the escape scene but beyond that oh, i got the whole
1: flying graysons with the trapeze yeah i
2: Oh my god, yeah, the trapeze yeah. artist. That was actually quite impressive. Who was on the trapeze? It was one of the characters. Who actually was doing the trapeze? I was can tell you that
1: for a moment, there's a Monkey? Dom DeLuise stunt double who is about 20 years younger than Dom DeLuise who's doing trapeze <laughs> with a terrible fake Okay, beard.
2: yeah.
0: A lot of this movie reminded me of Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas, which I, I revisited recently. And his ether-fueled night at the circus-themed casino, really, there were a lot of parallels here, because I felt (laughs) like I had just sniffed a rag full of ether watching this scene. And they escape, of course, and the police and the circus guy are firing guns indiscriminately at them, and they get into an airplane, and they take off, and... I believe Bonzo is flying the airplane. Was I right about that, or was that just the ether? I
2: don't even know. <laughs> I have no idea. Let's let's say Bonzo yeah, it was makes, flying. And the it airplane. makes it
1: better. It draws parallels yeah, to Project yeah, X. Sure, the monkey was flying the fucking plane. Who gives a shit?
0: Yeah, because monkeys are are very good at flying planes, and also. Uh, they So they fly the plane back to the port where the boat is waiting, and they get to the port, they say goodbye, uh, Dom Luise now actually likes the monkey, there's a heartfelt goodbye between all of them. There's a really nice scene where Dom Luise tells J.J. J. Abrams, J.J. J. Walker... Uh, oh, if you're ever in New York, you should come visit.
3: If you're ever in New York City, please look us up. We'd love to take you on a safari of Central Park. I don't think so, Mr. Big Bad Joe. Because what I heard is that Central Park is much more dangerous than Tangola. Mo, you're probably right. Okay.
0: <laughs> and there's a close-up on the monkey's face as he says goodbye. As Oh, they... God.
1: Oh god go no. Off.
0: And it it has burned itself into my nightmares forever.
1: And at that point, you know, we've done a couple of these on Monkey Club. The scene where the precocious kid says goodbye to the monkey. That's it. That's the end of the movie, right?
3: Mhm.
1: Nope. Nope, we're not that lucky here. You've got 10 words yeah, to fill.
0: <laughs> what happens I, Maybe I have checked out at this point, but <laughs> He
2: says goodbye to the monkey, and then there's a chase scene. Yeah, the police guy Uh... and the circus guy. Well, I don't know if it's both of them. Maybe it's just one of them. Somebody pulls up to the port just as they're about to leave, so they see that they're trying to capture the monkey, and then somehow the monkey winds up on the boat, but I don't remember
1: how. Well, they they chase them through. Wait, wait, hold on a second. (laughs) I was hammered. And watching this at two times speed, and I'm the one who remembers the most of this movie? This is bullshit. (laughs) You're doing
0: God's work, Chris.
1: There's a chase. Oh, I better have punched my fucking ticket to heaven for this one. They they chase the monkey through the marketplace again. The monkey smashes some sort of fruit over the white dude's head. I just truncated that. That's like eight minutes. And (laughs) then the monkey makes a slow motion leap onto the boat to get back with Dom DeLuise and the kid.
0: Yes, mm-hmm. and and of course, the circus guy drives his car into the river.
1: Which might be a Confederate flag car, if I remember correctly? It was,
0: it was decorated with stars and stripes. So, okay. you know, there might have been some kind of metaphor there about oh, colonialism. Oh, fuck you, no there wasn't.
1: We, we've been <laughs> over this, no.
0: Yeah, yeah, no. Oh boy, so that was going bananas fuck I know I apologize to both of you for having put you through that but before we wrap things up we have a few uh, little segments we like to do Uh, Kara we'd like to play a little game called monkey business oh this would be a good one if you were to pitch a sequel to going bananas what would the plot
3: be first off if anyone
1: pitched a sequel to this fucking movie they would be the worst human being to ever exist. Yeah. Yeah. But we're living in a hypothetical world where this movie was successful, so... Yeah. <sighs> <laughs> I
0: love your exasperated sigh before you go into this. That's great.
2: What's that, like, Tim Allen movie where he has some child that, like, shows up in your city, like, from the jungle?
1: Jungle to jungle. Uh, yeah. Oh, I know that.
2: that? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it would be like that movie, only with a monkey and Tim Allen, but not Tim Allen. It'd be John Bellamy. I don't know. I mean, oh, <laughs> oh, I mean, maybe also actually doing an African pale bible goes Bananas," like taking the monkey out of Africa, bringing him to the United States, and seeing what hilarity ensues when he's, you know, in this completely different culture and there's other humans and stuff. I don't know. Please don't take a sequel. No, I...
0: I, I, (laughs) Bottom line is there should never, ever, ever be a sequel to this. But yeah, I see where you're coming from. It would would involve a lot of loud screaming Mm -hmm. and violence in lieu of humor, but just in different situations. Right. Yeah, that's all... Like, honestly, we don't need to talk about this anymore because there shouldn't be a sequel. There should never be a sequel. The last segment we want to do is what we always do, and and I feel like this is going to be rough. It's a segment called Apes vs. Humans, where we determine sort of a panel discussion. Who was the better performance in this movie? Was it the monkey or was it the humans? I
2: mean, it's an interesting Um. question in this film specifically because the monkey is in fact a human um,
1: oh God, no! <laughs> yeah. don't so tell them that. that you're breaking you're, you're going behind the curtain
2: yeah i can't well, know that the
1: monkey was a human
2: quickly before i answer that question i think we actually skipped over the story of how deep roy got cast in this film as a monkey
0: oh yes yes um, i i was gonna bring that up
1: later but, oh okay uh, we
2: i can i you can cut that part no out no no I, oh, I now
1: I, now is the time no go now ahead Now is the time go ahead.
2: so go ahead. uh appa- this i did not know that clint eastwood was actually in a couple films with an orangutan um mm-hmm. his name was clyde the orangutan and he was clint eastwood's co-star in any which way you can and Every Which Way But Loose, which I hope both of those are going to be in the the Monkey Club canon. Um, Oh, they
0: certainly are.
2: So they were originally going to cast that Orangutan, and I guess because of, like, contract stuff. I actually don't remember anything else about this except for the question that Menachem Golan asked about the monkey.
0: Well, uh, Menachem Golan... He wanted to do a monkey movie, so he called Clyde into his office, and Clyde and his handlers Jesus showed up, Christ. and he pitched this movie, and all the onlookers said that he was pitching it almost directly to the monkey. That sounds right. Not so much to the handlers or the, or the, the publicist.
2: It's only polite, you know. You don't <laughs> want to be talking yeah. about the monkey like he's not even in the room.
0: No, no, of course not. And at one point, he said to one of Clyde's female publicists, and Kara, you probably know the question.
2: Yeah. Would you fuck this monkey?
1: (laughs) Holy Um, shit. Which I have to
2: say, like, as a woman who's been in the workforce, I have gotten questions that are not that different from that. (laughs) As as a working woman in in America.
0: I wouldn't think that a criteria of a monkey in a monkey movie was to be fuckable. but Well, uh, you haven't
1: seen Ed, I guess.
0: <laughs> Maybe we should add another game onto
1: our no, podcast. No, no, you if, stop it. Would you fuck <laughs> you this monkey? You shut your mouth.
0: Would Would you fuck this monkey? Oh, God. All right. Well, Yes, um, every episode,
1: anyways, retroactively, yes.
2: Oh, care. but I never I never asked yes. the original question of yes, who is yes. better.
0: It could be any of the humans that okay. you're comparing the monkey to.
2: Okay. I'm going to go ahead and say the monkey was the better actor. I'm a huge fan of Deep Roy's work. I think that he (laughs) was able to transcend his species for this movie. Obviously, there is a tremendous amount of suspension of disbelief that needs to happen to even almost enjoy this movie. But I think, you know, all things considered, considering what he had to work with and, and all of the nonsense, that takes place in this movie deep roy's work as a monkey is uh it's not bad It's not bad
0: i was impressed by deep roy's work like i said before dom de is usually an incredibly endearing and hilarious character in everything he's in and in this he was just completely unlikable this movie did the impossible of making <laughs> dom de a horrible unlikable asshole
2: well um, so that's interesting Maybe he was actually the best actor in this, since he was able to transcend his usual typecasting?
0: Maybe he saw this as an opportunity to play against type. <laughs> <laughs> but I don't think so. I mean, he, he was supposed to be a bumbling, fat idiot, and he kind of did that. But in the process, he was just so unlikable and mm-hmm. so grading. JJ Walker was a offensive African stereotype which um,
2: interestingly like the the first couple scenes that I I saw of him in this movie I was like, oh, like he's obviously doing Eddie Murphy in Coming to America. Good morning.
3: Allow me to introduce myself. I am Muzambo, chairman of the board of the Muzambo Tourist and Safari Corporation of Tangola.
2: And then I realized that that movie actually came out a year after this. So maybe Eddie Murphy was actually doing J.J.
1: Walker in this movie. Uh
3: (laughs) Oh, wow. I would love to think
1: that. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. (laughs) I'm going to... But I want to I want to throw my hat in the ring on this, though, before you answer this, because I want to try to the only thing I had a strong opinion on this movie as I was watching it was apes versus humans and who would win this. And I want to pitch you guys on the fact that the best actor in this movie was the African chief of police, the larger gentleman who had, I think he was an offensive African stereotype. I will absolutely uh, throw that out there right off the bat. He was the, the larger, larger police chief and 95 or so percent of this movie is reaction shots of humans reacting to what is going on. And most of the time it is this fake laughter.
3: Can't you see the monkey is deeply in love with you? <laughs>
1: <laughs> and it happens off the kid, it happens off the Walker, it happens off do Louise because they're in most of the movie. And every time it comes off extremely disingenuous and uh, it's just a close up of someone <laughs> fake laughing into a camera but, but but that
0: so are you are you saying that that guy that guy the, was so good at faking laughing
1: he every time <laughs> it closed in on that guy he was like uh, 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 and his laugh was completely appropriate for everything that was occurring it was the perfect mix of i'm laughing at this and also fuck me i went to tish and i wanted to be a real actor
0: uh, <laughs> i doubt anyone in this movie had any sort of formal training but well, that uh, guy tried yeah.
1: so hard and he i don't care if you guys agree with it or not if you give the points to the apes that's fine but that gentleman needs to be acknowledged as the best fake laugher in this whole movie that guy was trying and dom de Luise was just cashing a paycheck and everyone else didn't give a shit and that guy was trying so hard at his fake laughing that I'm going to the match for this and saying that he was the best actor in this movie.
2: Yeah, that's fair. I don't remember him at all, though.
1: <laughs> well,
2: he didn't do anything but <laughs> fake laugh,
1: so that's fair.
2: Okay, that makes sense. Yeah.
0: And as for me, I have to go with Ben Mendelsohn, who played the boy. I loved him in Over the Top, and he had scorpions poured on his head in this movie and he really sold the fact that he was in love with this monkey he was scared like he did really good child acting in this movie so i'm gonna have to go with humans sorry deep roy sorry Kara.
1: can't win them all looks
0: like the humans win this one to close things out i want to do we did this for born to be wild chris read a very stirring IMDb review of the movie and (laughs) I want to read one that that I found to be really inspiring. This is from Matt Crawford from Kansas City and the title is Are You People Stupid? Bananas (laughs) is a Classic. (laughs) No laughs? What about the part where Bonzo parentheses the monkey? is under the table and keeps snatching pieces of cake from the patrons at the restaurant before the waiter can set down another plate bonzo has devoured it
2: which uh to interject we do not actually see the monkey eat any cake he takes the cake off the table and like takes it underneath the table but we never actually see it go in his mouth
1: Cut to a facial shot of
0: Bonzo under the tablecloth covered in cake. Tell me, who could resist wetting their pants at such a thing? And the ensuing restaurant fight, where we have the joy of seeing Ben and Bonzo smash people at random with bottles. Whoever thought this movie was not funny must have been watching with their eyes closed and cotton in their ears. Just the scenes of intimacy between Ben and Bonzo that bordered on homosexual Go. parentheses the steel were enough to make the film hilarious, especially when Bonzo is trying to sing Ben back to health in the hospital. Not to mention... The cruel and sadistic humor of the monkey, who is seen repeatedly hitting his friends, Then, the boy, and others, and breaking out in insane laughter. One must see the strange and twisted side of going bananas to speed humor. So I suggest, watch the movie again. What? Don't watch the movie again. No. Please don't. It is a classic. If you think of the sheer cruelty of Dom DeLuise taunting a monkey with a banana, only to let him have it if he says banana, (laughs) it is hysterical. Of course, poor Dom had no idea the monkey would do it, so imagine what kind of pathetic mind state he was in. Locked in jail in Africa, and rather than prayer, diplomacy, critical thinking, whatever, instead of trying to get himself out of this dilemma, he resolves to sit back on his haunches and amuse himself by taunting a monkey with a banana. Excellent. I give Bonzo and Going Bananas 14 million stars and 763,000 thumbs way up. Bonzo for president, Bonzo loves
2: Ben. To be perfectly frank, I wouldn't mind if Bonzo was running for president instead of some of the other candidates that we have this time around.
0: Frankly, an an anthropomorphic monkey would get my vote any day of the week right about now.
1: (sighs) Well, you know what? I don't think we've ever done breaking news on uh, Monkey Club. Did you see that PPP polls about maybe a month ago from when we're recording this polled Harambe against all of the political candidates and polled better than Jill Stein for President of the United States?
0: What's good guys? Jared here. I'm going to answer your comments and questions at the end of this video, but let's just jump into it. Anyone remember Harambe? The gorilla that was shot and killed at the Cincinnati Zoo back in May of this year after a young boy fell into his enclosure? Yeah, well... Apparently, he got somewhere between eleven to 15,000 votes.
1: I mean, every vote did matter, and these people could be the reason why Trump is now president. Or, maybe the people that voted for Trump and Hillary are the reason why Harambe isn't president. Anyways, guys, that's it for this video. If you liked it, give me that thumbs up, and I'll see you guys soon. Peace!
2: Yeah, that's not at all surprising
1: for me. Go, Monkeys. No, no there, there's, not at all. There's the ultimate final tally of apes versus humans right there
0: yeah
1: (laughs) well on that note
0: Kara, thank you so much for joining us why don't you tell us a little bit about your podcast
2: sure uh so i have a podcast of my own it's called in sickness and in health um do you know approximately when this is coming out this episode uh
0: this friday
2: oh okay uh, we'll be celebrating our first birthday at the end of this month on the 27th, so that's really exciting. On the podcast, I talk to people about their relationships with their bodies, and we discuss issues at the intersections of chronic illness, disability, healthcare, and mortality. I promise I'm a lot more fun than it sounds, and check it out at insicknesspod.com and on social media at insicknesspod.
0: Well, that is something that's much more important than talking about monkey movies, but uh, I'm, I'm glad... This movie that you,
1: definitely made me think I'm of my mortality. You, yeah, oh, for
0: sure. <laughs> and Chris, I know that you have a brand new podcast on the Cage Club Podcast Network, so why don't you tell us a little about that? I do. That? Now and
1: again talks about nostalgia and memories via mixtapes. We take a look at the Now That's What I Call Music uh, discography. And we use that as a jumping off point to talk about what it was like to uh to grow up as nineties kids. Hashtag only nineties kids will get this.
0: Well, awesome. This has been a very enlightening conversation, and I'm very glad we had it. Kara, thank you so much for joining us. You can check out older episodes of Monkey Club on CageClub.me. That's cageclub.me. You can also check out episodes of Cage Club, Keanu Club, Now and Again, Zack Attack on the Cage Club Podcast Network. You can go on iTunes. You can like, rate, and subscribe to these wonderful podcasts. Uh, on behalf of Chris, Tara, and myself, thank you for joining us for this episode of The Monkey Club, and we'll see you
3: next time. Ring, 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 banana phone. Banana phone, I've got this feeling so appealing for us to get together and sing, sing, ring, 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 banana phone. I've got my hunches It's the best, beats the rest Cellular, modular, interactive, modular Ring, 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 ring Banana phone Ping pong, ping pong, ping pong, ping Banana phone It's no baloney It ain't a phony My cellular We did it. Yay.
2: We did it. (laughs) Awesome. Thank you guys so much.